Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It is time for Rochester Today, Tuesday, primary election day, by the way. Tom Ostrom's here. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. What's in the mailbag? Franco. He's got a cartoon labeled the Teflon Biden family, and it's a huge bubble over all of them. And it shows Joe uh, with a bag of money, the 10% guy, according to his son. Uh, and he's got CNN, ABC, MSNBC, NPR, CBS uh, covering for all of them. And it Washington Post, and it shows Hunter with his uh, naked, half naked with his laptop and his paintings. And it shows uh, uh, <laughs> Biden's brother, James, also evidently getting lots of money from these business engagements. So uh, the, the Branco says the Teflon Biden family. So uh, all of that. And then, by the way, on, on an accurate uh, note, uh, more evidence has come out of the number of times that Joe Biden saw Hunter's business partners at the White House when he was VP, while Biden insists that he never knew about his son's business or asked about it or was involved in it. Uh, the man either has forgotten or he's disingenuous, as the diplomatic term is. But that's that's uh, Branco. Will we cover that more later on in the uh, hour? Well, we uh-huh. can if we could think of anything else to say. I don't know okay. what, I, what I'll say, but if you have something, uh, fine. And then a couple of, of uh, mailbags from our listeners. Um, uh, Phil, uh, he downloaded this uh, so-called uh, uh, inflation-fighting package that passed the Senate and now goes to the House. And he, uh, Phil says, and he he analyzed it. He's an engineer, so he's very bright. He downloaded it. He analyzed it. He said, I can't believe that politicians would vote for this in the middle of the recession. The recession is caused by government spending. And this is more of it while they say that this will end the inflation, the Inflation Reduction Act. And it imposes uh, billions of dollars uh, uh, and, and corporations, and then they corporations just pass the cost of that on to the consumer, and these costs uh, determine whether corporations can afford the, to produce the products at a given price, or even if they want to stay in the United States. So Phil has analyzed it and finds that uh, he calls the provisions of it lies, lies. Uh, and then from KLS. Rochester voters must consider the importance of the selection of city officials in the primary and general elections. Taxes are up, the crime rates up, traffic flow clogs the streets, bike lanes empty most of the time produce gridlock, lengthy delays from road work. And how about that eternal Elton Hills Bridge project? Rochester has deteriorated, downtown businesses are suffering. Uh, we need leaders who have vision for the city. I'm not endorsing anybody, but we need candidates who have some options and solutions. And then from Arnold, what I hear and read about going on in the school systems, it seems we're not going in the right direction. Hope we can straighten things out or it's not too late. Uh, it seems we do have a variety of philosophies uh, for school board candidates and uh, maybe new voices can make a difference. And then one more mailbag from 
uh, from uh, Angela. Hi, Tom. I listened to Donald Trump's speech at CPAC in Texas. He got 99% approval rating, talked about our nation, how it's in decline, how we could go from recession to depression, the, the price of gasoline, uh, the leadership vacuum in Washington, D.C. And uh, on voting, we have to uh, uh, handle the voter IDs and paper ballots and same day voting. Uh, and uh, border security must be must be handled better. So Angela said it was a great speech and it covered that. And that also Angela says that there has to be uh, no uncontrolled drop boxes. And uh, and then as she said in Arizona and Trump mentioned this, uh, 20 polling places ran low on Republican ballots or ran out of them. Uh, no, uh, no shortage of Democrat ballots. So that's from Angela, and that's the mailbag. That is the mailbag. Okay, we'll take a break, and we'll be back in a moment with more of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. If you're nearing retirement, have you considered your... It's Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester Today. As I mentioned earlier, it is primary election day in Minnesota. And uh, there are a ton of races on the ballot locally. We have contested seats on the school board, the city council, the mayor's seat. Uh, Olmstead County Board, I believe, has at least one primary election. Of course, we have the first district congressional race on the ballot locally for the November election. And then on top of it, the voters are being asked to decide the special election uh, to fill out the remainder of Jim Hagedorn's term in office through the end of the year. So a complex ballot, and we'll find uh, well, we'll find out a lot by the time we roll into tomorrow morning. Although I'm hearing that in the special election here in the first district that the results may be delayed, so mm. just keep an eye on that because and I I've got to agree with the Secretary of State's office on this for the reasoning that because that special election is for what had been the first district. They have to run those ballots in a different count than they do for the ballots for what is now the first district. The boundaries have changed. Mm. So it won't allow them to do a combined run like they normally do. They're going to probably have to feed the ballots through again for a Mm. second count on that special election. And so those results probably won't be up as quickly as others. But for the local elections, be sure tonight... Uh, to check out krocnews.com. We'll be updating the uh, local election results once they're in. And from experience, I would say don't expect anything till at least 10, 30, 11 o'clock. <laughs> okay. It depends on the turnout, right? If it's a big turnout, it'll be later than that. But if it, it's not such a big turnout, we'll find out a lot. And I know there are a lot of people anxious to see what happens on uh, the mayor's race and a lot of these school board races. A lot of people talking about that. Uh huh. And and you and the your news colleagues are going to be busy monitoring all that. As always, Tom. As always. Well, Minnesota News. Uh, 
the 16th annual Tee It Up for the Troops charity golf event at Willow Creek Golf Course will be on Thursday, August 18. That's Thursday, August 18. And it's sold out. Registration starts at 10 a.m. Then there's a parachute jump and uh, ex-Navy SEAL team will unfurl, unfurl the flags uh, uh, and then carrying them to the putting greens and the opening ceremony at noon. Gold Star families will be there and uh, World War II veterans uh, honored. And the golf course will be lined with uh, American flags. And the golfing starts at 1230. It'll finish around 6 p.m. and the winning team and field will be announced. It's a charity event that's raised nearly $1 million in the past 15 years. And the funds help uh, uh, military and veteran service organizations. And uh, uh, all of that is going on. If you're interested or have questions, uh, uh, contact Lynn Clary. Uh, Lynn uh, is with the Sterling State Bank. uh, And uh, he's been running these operations uh, so well for many, many years. So you can catch Lynn at the bank, Lynn Clary, or call 507-254-1104. That's 507-254-1104. They have put on a fantastic event for many, many years. It's so impressive to see all of the different activities they have on top of the big golf activities. This the uh, The flag display and the uh, presentations and the honoring of the folks who show up. It's it's a uh, it's neat that this has been going on that long and they've raised that much money. That's incredible. Congratulations. Sure, and the the public is invited to this wonderful cause. Also in state news, uh, <laughs> Governor Waltz was whisked away by the staff after a voter confronted him last week about his handling of the George Floyd riots. Uh, the man walked right up to the governor and said, why would you let a police station burn to the ground? Why didn't you send in troops? Uh, and this occurred at the Farm Fest in southern Minnesota. Waltz uh, briefly began to answer the question, but a staff member cut him off, led him away, and said to the uh, person, uh, we've got folks waiting for us. we got to get up there. And then the, the person that asked the question said, he can't answer that question. You can't answer that question. You won't answer that question. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, I didn't hear about that one. Yeah. So, and then, uh, well, the uh, I don't know if you saw any of the debate that took place between Walls and Scott Jensen at Farm Fest out there in Redwood Falls. It uh, it got a bit feisty at the end. Uh, I mean, nothing inappropriate was said, but. A lot of emotion and passion in the voices, both of them, as they sparred at the very end. A lot of it on uh, the crime issue and a lot of it on the COVID response business. But uh, uh, I, I think that one's going to be, uh, that one's going to go down to who turns out on uh, November 2nd. It'll be which one has a more enthusiastic base, I think. And it's interesting, too. I understand that uh, Waltz uh, used his National Guard uh, experience to uh, one-up his opponent. And uh, Dr. Scott Jensen talking about that service and what has Jensen done in the public arena. And Waltz should get credit for having served in the Guard uh, so so well for so long. But, uh, but he used that against his opponent. But 
Uh, that just raises the question to me. With his experience in the National Guard, why didn't he call it out when trouble happened in the Twin Cities? He yeah. should have known what they should and could do. It's a valid question, a, a valid observation. And uh, I remember watching that news conference in the middle of the night, Tom, when they announced the precinct had fallen. <laughs> I still can't get over it. I still, I was incredulous. I couldn't believe it was actually happening that they evacuated a police precinct in Minneapolis and gave it to the mob. Yeah. And I thought, I, I still to this day cannot believe that actually happened, and it did. And uh, and I, I can I, when I think about the emotions that it evoked when it did happen, I can imagine that's why those aides said, "Let's get going, Governor. Let's go." Right, right. And those police officers were in imminent danger when that fire started, uh, trying to get out of that building. That surprised them. There were a lot of police officers in that building that had to escape. But they were also told not to take up tactical positions that could have been used to protect the building and all of the evidence that was stored inside that building uh, and all the other things that taxpayers had paid for inside that building. Besides, yeah. besides right. the symbolism of it being a law enforcement headquarters That's right. that you surrendered to the mob. Right. And there the, the mob, uh, Antifa and BLM and others, uh, attacked a government building. Uh, that's serious business right there, but not little has been done to them or since then, I think. I and think that, we're going to see more than a few campaign ads come yeah. September, <laughs> October that feature that, that building burning. I think so. And then Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey uh, and other West Metro mayors have endorsed Don Samuels, uh, who is running against our present Congresswoman Representative Ilhan Omar. Uh, and so the, we have uh, people that trying to displace her from office, and they endorse Don Samuels. Uh, I think one reason Frey is, is because uh, Representative Omar opposed his reelection as mayor and supported someone else. Ah. So we'll see how that ra uh, race goes. And my understanding is that Samuels, who is a former member of the city council in Minneapolis, uh, you know, obviously he has name recognition within that congressional district big time. He's been involved in local politics for a long, long time, but he's campaigning on the public safety issue. And mm -hmm. Ilhan Omar was very, uh, um, very supportive of the idea of defunding police, which is all of a sudden fallen out of favor. I guess I can't say all of a sudden, but it fell out of favor relatively quickly. Yeah. And uh, I'll say this, it's hard to beat an incumbent, and especially in that district, she has she has seemed, um, she has wide support, let's put it that way. You saw the last time she ran for election, she had a fairly tough primary battle, but then took the general election by 20 or 25 percentage points. Yeah. Well, she's been plagued by a few personal and ethical issues, and I don't know if that catches on. Uh, I have read, and we've mentioned on the air, that many Muslim constituents uh, are disappointed with her, that she does not represent them or their values. She's off on another planet politically uh, with other causes. So I think some of her support is eroding. Well, well the victims largely of these crimes that are occurring within her district are 
minority constituents, including yeah. uh, her fellow Muslim citizens. Right. And where law enforcement seems negligent uh, uh, across the country uh, and on this issue, uh, the crisis pregnancy center in St. Paul was vandalized last week. Uh, that's the fourth attack on a pro-life group in Minnesota this summer and, and uh, you know, smashed uh, building uh, parts and uh, all of that and threatening notes on the building like if abortion isn't safe, neither are you. And uh, it's another uh, act of violence. And uh, uh, I don't know, the, the attorney general nationally and the uh, other police agencies, I hope they're working on this. Uh, one person at this last pregnancy center said the police have been cooperative and are working seriously on it. And then this is interesting. Healthcare workers across Minnesota are revolting against unions. Hundreds of healthcare workers throughout Minnesota have recently voted to cut ties with unions. Uh, since mid-July, uh, groups of uh, healthcare workers uh, have filed for union decertification uh, and, and, uh, and they're dissatisfied. Uh, registered nurses at Mayo Clinic Health System in Mankato voted to decertify the Minnesota Nurses Association, which represents 22,000 nurses. And you wonder what their issues are. Uh, are they upset because their colleagues were uh, fired or uh, because uh, they wouldn't get the vax? Or are they, whatever whatever they are upset about, they obviously think their unions haven't been helpful. Yeah, I, I'm, I haven't followed that as closely as I should. But I know St. Peter, the male facility there, which is relatively small, did a decertification vote as well. Um. But in the Twin Cities area, it seems as if the hospital unions, the nurses unions remain relatively strong. And in Duluth as well, they've been doing some picketing in both of those cities. I think contracts are coming up pretty soon for these nurses in those two areas. And a lot of the picketing is on staffing levels and things like that, which is one of those issues that's it's hard to deal with when the hospitals themselves are having a hard time finding people to fill the position. So, mm -hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to have to follow that more closely and see if there are any key issues, Tom. We'll cover that later on down the road. We'll take a break now, though, for news and return after that with more of Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell on Rochester Today on Rochester's News Talk, 1340. KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Paid for by Christian Care Ministry. You know, it's true. Andy Brownell for Rochester Today. Um, primary election day, at least in Minnesota. Tom, what do you want to cover next? Governor DeSantis, and I wonder if he will spark a, a movement uh, by local uh, and executive officials. Ron DeSantis is suspended. He has suspended a woke state prosecutor. He said, I will not allow the pathogen of ignoring the law in Florida. And so... Uh, he suspended state attorney Andrew Warren, a Democrat, for not enforcing uh, the rules and laws on prohibitions of sex changes for minors or restrictions on abortion. He, and DeSantis said he's not above the law and he will enforce the laws in Florida or he'll be replaced. And uh, the state attorney said, I don't recognize his authority to do that and I'm not leaving my office. So DeSantis had uh, several police officers visit him and get his office arranged and escort him out of the building. Oh, really? 
Yeah. Well, you you wonder about that position because in Minnesota, at least, the state attorney general is an elected position and he has the power to hire who he wishes to hire. Although you could say he falls under the administration of the governor. Ah, that's interesting. DeSantis is quite popular. He has Trump's philosophies, but uh, not his personality. <laughs> so he's getting increasingly pos- <laughs> popular. Well, people appreciate Trump's policies, uh, but not uh, how he operates. And so you wonder where that'll go by election time. Did DeSantis, he's more or less managed to distance himself from the whole um stolen election issue right did he follow trump's line on that or did he he, he said hold back he admitted that there was corruption and uh, irregularities that were serious and more extensive than we know but he otherwise is uh, rather silent on that i don't think he disagrees with trump but i don't think he brings it up as an issue unless reporters ask him and uh, some say i think you said it Trump should stop bringing up the issue because it might have cost uh, some votes in previous elections uh, for Congress and uh, in Georgia. And then some people just say it's uh, we got to watch in the future, but let's be quiet about it. And some think that's beginning to hurt Trump, his incessant harping on that. And his former Vice President Pence seems to be uh, circulating around as a potential candidate and uh, one reason Pence is popular is because he refused to follow Trump's uh, instructions about questioning the electoral vote. So uh, um, there were irregularities. I don't blame Trump for being angry, but I think you've said it. I agree. He said, just be quiet about it. It's not helpful. I read a Wall Street Journal article or opinion piece about the primaries that were held last week that, as you pointed out, um, the former president's endorsed candidates did fairly well uh, and this was who wrote, I think it was their editorial board eh? so it's not identified as an individual who wrote this they were contending that Trump may have won those primaries but in quite a few of those situations he may end up costing them seats in the US Senate because these candidates a lot of them are um, newcomers with a without any political experience who seem to be that their main qualification for winning Trump's endorsement was they supported him on that issue, the election fraud issue. And the polling numbers for those candidates went up against the Democrats running in the November election in many cases are not good. Mm. And uh, so you're looking long-term. Do you want to take the Senate back? For the Republicans, or did, you know, it, by choosing these candidates to oust more, well, I guess you would call them the rhino Republicans who criticize Trump. <laughs> yeah. I would call them more moderate Republicans. Um, <laughs> by ousting them, it may end up costing them Senate seats. Mm. Well, so it is a tightrope, but yeah, rhino, which stands for Republicans in name only by, by their opponents. And then West Virginia Senator Manchin finally capitulated and made a deal with uh, Senate Democrat leader Schumer uh, on 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 this uh, business uh, 
of the Green New Deal. Uh, and uh, he's getting feedback from it, and it's not positive from West Virginia. Uh, uh, his uh, mansion's critics say, what did he get from it? What did he get out of it? Uh, uh, he, he didn't protect uh, West Virginia resource uh, 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 entities like coal. Um, inflation is at an all-time high, and, and Manchin's getting really defensive uh, on television with reporters who question his wisdom in doing it and ask why he did it. But anyway, Manchin voted for Schumer, and that bill has become uh, uh, passed by the Senate. It has right. It has now to go to the House, and it's getting a lot more scrutiny as more time goes along, and it still has to get past the House. And uh, one of the scrutiny items being scrutinized pretty closely was Manchin was handed this um, provision concerning environmental permitting that would uh, streamline the permitting process for both green energy and fossil fuel energy projects. But it doesn't seem like there's any support for that uh, in either the House or the Senate. So he may have been promised something that will never happen. So he was insistent on that to win his support. The other thing he was insistent on, he's getting a lot of criticism over, was... um, a provision within the law regarding the batteries for electric vehicles. And there are critics who are pointing out that in order to qualify for these new tax credits that have been put in place for these electric vehicles down the road a little bit, not that far down the road, I think only two years, uh, basically there are no electric vehicles sold in the United States today that would meet the requirements outlined in the bill to get the tax credit because they mandate that at least 40% of the components in the battery, the lithium, cobalt, uh, the other heavy metals, come from either in the United States or a country the U.S. has a trade agreement. Well, most, like 60% or more of those materials come from China and the markets are controlled by China, especially the lithium market. So... In essence, as it stands right now, there's no chance that even if you ramp up the mining for those materials in the United States today, you're ever going to meet the requirements of this bill. So, in other words, they issued tax credits for vehicles that don't exist. And Mm -hmm. that was a key part that Manchin wanted in there was this um, get tough on China provision as far as importing these materials. In the long term, he's probably right. We do need to ramp up our mining of these materials. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be um, under the sway of the Chinese as far as obtaining this high technology materials. But <laughs> I, I think there'll be, uh, I, I think it was even the big three automakers pointed out the problem with this bill right away that, yeah. well, hey, we, we don't actually make that vehicle and it's impossible for us to even foreseeably make that vehicle any time in the near future. Wow. It's just, just, it just goes on. And now Joe Biden, President Biden, has insisted he didn't know about his son's contacts, uh, business dealings in China or elsewhere, or money. Uh, but a former uh, aide uh, in, in Hunter's business uh, testified uh, that... Uh, 
the the big guy was what Hunter talked about that got 10% of the profits and the big guy is Joe Biden. But Joe has insisted he never knew or talked to his son about those business dealings. That'll be an agenda if he gets impeached, though, I think, because he took Biden on the on the uh, vice presidential plane to Asia. So he knew about these things. And now from the laptop and uh, reporter Emily Crane, Joe Biden hosted a White House meeting when he was vice president with two Chinese energy executives with ties to his son, Hunter, when he was vice president in 2014. They have records, White House records and Hunter Biden's laptop uh, assertions. And and uh, so that doesn't look good. And the meeting with the Chinese executives uh, was the latest in a list of Hunter's foreign associates who, who met with Biden. And then I saw a picture of Biden golfing that is the vice president golfing with a couple of these people and hunter uh, but he died either he doesn't remember or let's say is in the polite term he's being disingenuous he didn't talk to those guys on the golf course tom all they talked about was whatever drinks they were having <laughs> but i'm glad he brought this up because i it was a couple of weeks ago i read an article once again an opinion piece but it was criticizing the media for continuing to downplay this story. And while it's ramped up, you know, the New York Times is starting to cover it more and more along with even CNN is giving it more coverage, but it's still it's still kind of uh it's not very aggressive coverage, let's put it that way. And maybe perhaps this person who wrote this piece uh surmised that the uh the media is going to have a hard time backtracking on their original storyline concerning the computer that it was all just Russian disinformation. Yeah. And also, how did you get, what was it, 50 former national intelligence people to sign on to the statement that this was all Russian uh, um, yeah. Gee. misinformation when apparently, and not even apparently, it, it's becoming more and more clear that it is Hunter's computer. And some of those emails, uh, email exchanges contained some information that people need to be asking about, especially referencing the big guy and the 10% cut. And uh, I remember reading one of them, Tom, was that it seems, if you read it in a certain light, that the president was asking his son whether or not he had fixed whatever problem it was yeah. concerning some sort of, you know, the possibility of there being public scrutiny concerning one of the deals he was making. Sure. Well, that really seems like involvement. And with that incident you just mentioned, uh, President President Biden, uh, or, or maybe it was when he was vice president, contacted his son about it and said, I think you're in the clear now. I think yes. you're in the clear. Yeah. So Biden is being accused now, the president, of being soft on Beijing because of his son's connections with, the, with them and uh, the refusal to discuss the these business dealings uh, but uh, and then it said Biden was identified as a recipient of a 10% equity stake in a company uh, which was a joint venture with a Chinese conglomerate which is connected to like everything in China connected to the, the Communist Party so Republican lawmakers are saying they're going to hold congressional hearings uh, they won't do any good as long as the Democrats are in control of things maybe that will come after the elections if if Republicans increase their control uh, in in the executive branch, but uh, 
Yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that. That that that, that Biden, uh, according according to the New York Times, uh, said to his son, "I think you're in the clear now. I think you're in the clear." And now, why are the liberal newspapers suddenly critical of Joe? I think it's because they're preparing to see that, just like some people don't want Trump to run again, the Democrats uh, don't want Joe to run again. And I think the media is piling on yeah. to to, uh, to extricate Joe from any decisions by just making him so unpopular he won't run again or making him say, I want out. I don't want more investigations. I'm through. Mm. But, uh, but they're piling up on Joe for some reason, Andy. All right. With that, we do have to take our break. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment with more of Tom Ostrom on Rochester Today. Andy Brownell here on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It's Andy Brownell, Tom Ostrom, Rochester Today on Tuesday, primary election day. Got to get that in. Go to the polls. <laughs> Look for the results tonight on KROCnews.com. Tom, what do you want to cover for our final few minutes? In international affairs, since uh, Speaker Pelosi left Taiwan, the Chinese are absolutely furious. The uh, China uh, communists on the mainland. And they're escalating military drills and missile shots around Taiwan. And one missile even went into Japanese territorial waters. Uh, and their aircraft and their naval units are aggressing upon uh, Taiwan's boundaries and completely surrounding Taiwan. And some people say they stay like that. Uh, then they'll uh, 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 cargo ships aren't going through those waters right now. And they could close off uh, Taiwan's commerce. And Taiwan has some strategic minerals you were talking about. Will, will, will China stop the export of those? And so... Uh, the Chinese are escalating uh, their presence and their military drills since Pelosi left. That's their anger at her visit. Yeah, the, uh, you mentioned what is a de facto blockade for right now, and we'll see how long it lasts. But the longer it lasts, the more provocative it becomes, and the risk runs of some sort of confrontation the longer this goes on. They're playing a dangerous game. Well, they think Pelosi did, and Taiwan, of course, is is resilient and um, proud and stubborn. But China also said they won't deal with the U.S. on climate change uh, because of this and on military issues. I'm not aware of any military conferences that the Chinese and the U.S. have had uh, uh, on, on that, but they're they're just furious about it. And, well, it's I. You wonder where its limits are at. So far, the Chinese haven't crossed that magical line out there. They've come right up to it, aggressively right up to it. And as you pointed out, they've fired missiles all over the place. Uh, very intimidating actions. But I didn't realize this. China right now relies on Taiwan for much of its chips, the computer chips, for its high-tech products it tries to sell overseas. So it really can't... <laughs> Once again, uh, it's limits. It's facing limits on how far it can take this for economic reasons. Because if it lose, loses the, China, the Taiwan exports of these chips, it will cripple China's ability to produce consumer products. Well, China needs those chips too, I think. But that's what I'm saying. But, yes. Yeah, but but so does the United States, and and uh, what you say could well happen. But also, 
China could blockade uh, Taiwanese cargo ships and not let those cargo ships and not let those chips be exported and just yeah, say, no, but- we'll buy them from you but no one else gets them you wonder how far yeah. they can go. well that's a good point yeah they could only allow them to go to chinese ports yeah well let's hope not keep a close eye on that time we only have about a minute or so cbs news is questioning u.s ukraine policies uh wondering when things are going to end and when uh, weapons will be accounted for the cost and the distribution and and cbs said the white house is losing faith in the war and Zelensky. and north korea has offered russia volunteer troops they wouldn't be voluntary but north korea is offering to send thousands of troops into the ukraine war in exchange for grain and sources and israel is in trouble gaza rockets terrorism and they're retaliating against gaza and they've killed a terrorist leader so things are happening on the israeli gaza border that i don't think are getting much coverage no not at all you're right and going back to the uh ukraine war one positive development though over the past week was shipments at least one grain ship or cargo ship hauling grain was allowed out of a port uh, and i think it was headed to turkey so the Russians are allowing some shipments of food products now, which is a positive development. I don't know what that garners for the future, but that is happening as well. It's a complicated world out there, Tom. Yes. <laughs> a lot of times it's crazy. Okay. We'll talk again Thursday. Good. All right. I look forward to it. Tom Peace. Ostrom. It's Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Are you worried about maintaining your lifestyle in retirement? 